Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome in to Believe in Pro Wrestling. Yes, we are not on at our normal time. I appreciate you guys finding us and joining us here on a Wednesday instead. Yesterday was election day in Ohio, which meant I had to work late at the radio station covering the election day. Well, actually, I had to cover it for Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and like four other states. So yesterday was a bit of a busy day. It's also a pretty busy day in the world of professional wrestling news. But then again, SP3, what day isn't anymore? NXT is going to have a new home now separate from Monday Night Raw. That is a uh, a first since NXT has been put on, uh, on, te- on regular television. They are heading over to the CW in a move that will uh, increase the profitability of that brand by 70%. Uh, So WWE landing a good deal there. War games. Was it going to happen? Was it not going to happen? We had conflicting reports. It's going to happen. And we know the first match that is going to happen as it was set in place on Monday Night Raw. Kyrie Sane did, in fact, make her return at Crown Jewel to help EO Sky retain the WWE Women's Championship. And she may not be alone. She may not be the last woman to show up in WWE, some reported names, including one that might shock some people, might be showing up. Oh, also, WWE has interest in stardom champion Julia as well. Roman Reigns retains the title in very predictable fashion, as SP3 called it. We got a lot to dive into, SP3. How you doing on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday morning? Got me here on a Wednesday. I'm supposed to be, you know, well-rested, thinking about Dynamite. Got me here on a Wednesday morning to talk about some professional wrestling. But there's a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the professional wrestling world, a busy weekend, a bunch of free agents or potential free agents or too early to talk about free agents like junior yeah, but <laughs> you got you got people like will osprey right now and seth rollins who are now as they have had in the past they're having their fun on twitter now uh going back and forth with one another basically seth rollins is like hey hoss water's warm on the smash mouth you might as well come over here and swim and that's got everybody thinking oh my god what if it's seth rollins and will osprey at wrestlemania that would be baller uh, but Will Ospreay's not a free agent for a couple more months. We'll see how things uh, shake out there. But uh, again, man, this is what I said two years ago when all these people were jumping from WWE over to AEW and WWE wasn't hiring anybody. This is the fun part that I was look that I was looking forward to, and I love every single second of it. Got to thank our friends over at Bet Online first. We would not be here without them. The last of the major pro sports leagues is now off and rolling, and college basketball is underway as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, all are now in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for all your wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, all the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips. With uh, uh with both your desktop and mobile access at any time. Head on over to Bet Online today. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, 
where the game starts. And SP3, it's actually good that we're here on, on a Wednesday today because right around the time uh, that we would have been wrapping up our normal stream, uh, I would have been very pissed because we would have had major breaking news that would have happened right after we had gotten off the air, which meant pretty much our entire show would have been cooked and we would have had to have waited a week to talk about it. But now we can talk about it today. WWE yesterday announcing a five-year deal with the CW Network that will see NXT move from USA starting in October. So the next domino has now fallen here. Uh, in the TV rights negotiations, SmackDown, as we know, Fox was not happy with the, their return on their investment. That opened up WWE to move it elsewhere. USA Network hopped on it. So USA right now is the home of Raw and NXT. That is going to be changing. They will be the home of SmackDown starting in October of 2024 as well. Now NXT moves over to the CW network, which leaves Monday Night Raw as the lone big fish. And the interesting thing to me here, SP3, is what does this do for Raw's value? Because it seemed like Raw and NXT were a package deal. I have to feel like WWE is going to find more interested buyers and maybe um, a, a higher profitability shall we say here with monday night raw as a solo package instead of saying hey you got to take both shows here yeah i mean they they have done the work that they needed to do in uh you know in in the lead up to making this deal and making nxt its own viable property on its own so it's not like they were in where they were in in 2019, where they basically jumped on and added on NXT to their to their deal with USA. They got more money because it's a second show, but it was basically like an add on for for USA getting back uh, Monday Night Raw. And now it's its own property where it's able to go to the CW network. And like you said earlier, get a 70 percent increase. That's only um, mentioning the positive of this situation because CW Network is available in much less ho less homes than USA Network, despite it being on basic uh, basic network television, it is in less homes than the cable television network USA Network. So yeah, I, I, I had to, I I had to check to make the, sure I had to I check to make sure I had CW Network. I was like, do I even have that? Because I don't. I, nobody watches I, CW. What's on CW? I, I, no one has watched CW since so One Tree Hill was canceled. So uh, I haven't watched that, CW that, since Arrow that, went off the air. Like that was like a decade. That was a decade <laughs> ago. One Tree Hill went off the air. But yeah, uh, yeah, no one watched CW Network. I think the most interesting thing of this is that CW. This is not the first time we've heard CW in the news as of late when it comes yeah. to a wrestling promotion. They were just in the news with NWA in talks for them. You had Billy Corgan doing interviews saying that he signed a lucrative deal with a top 20 network and then it was revealed it was cw and that the nwa was going to get two shows on there one was the nwa power show that is currently on youtube and a reality series and then the nwa decided to do uh have sinister minister do sugar boogers on their latest pay-per-view and that then we had the report that uh the cw was backing off or it was going to negatively affect their deal with the nwa and Apparently, the negativity was they decided to go with a much better suitor 
for them in the WWE. And apparently with the uh, report in the details that came out, courtesy of uh, Sean Rossap of Fightful Select, was that they were in talks with CW before the news of NWA was in talks with CW. So CW was talking to both companies at the same time, and NWA fumbled the damn bag. How could you? How they were, could you? They were Shut at the goal line and just dropped that ball out of the back of the end zone for a touchback. That is exactly what they did in that situation. And shout outs to good friend of the podcast. We've had him on here before. Uh, Cam Hawkins, who went out on Twitter and had the best tweet and concerns the NWA's part of this story is that NWA became the first show to fail on CW because of too much white girl. That is one of the greatest tweets I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yes, NXT deal. Jesus. Reportedly in that ballpark, 35, uh, $37 million. And, of course, they're going to be happy about that because sure. this is something that they had on WWE Network just five years ago. And it was consistently on there. And now they've been able to make it this lucrative thing where they just film out of one place. They don't even sell tickets for the shows. Like it's a very low maintenance, low kind of cost shows for them to produce. And they're able to get this big deal. This is a, a 100% a positive when it comes to WWE, when it comes with this deal. Yeah. And uh, according to Sean Ross from Fifle.com, uh, NXT is very, very likely to stay on Tuesdays or it's uh, pretty much a slam dunk that it's going to stay on Tuesday. I feel like with CW, they have really any option. I mean, what again, what else is on the CW? I'm, I'm going to actually have to do some like research and I see. Think, what, I saw some like nurses show or something when I clicked on it today. I don't know. Some I think maybe. someone put out the list of like the highest rated shows on there and not one of the shows goes gets over a million. So it's like NXT mm. will be the highest rated or if not one of the highest rated shows on there instantly. Now, this is not the first time that WWE has done business with the CW because the CW used to be some it other. used to be the UPN. Yeah. We back. yeah. It's back. It's back, yo. We back <laughs> on UPN, y'all. Uh, and Cam had me rolling because he was doing uh, different the different shows and some person retweeted Cam and said, one trick hill. And that popped me so much. <laughs> That popped me so much. And then and then Cam put a, a meme of uh Trick and Mello as homeboys in outer space. And I was like, Yeah, Trick Williams could do a spot on Flex Alexander. Flex yeah, Washington. here's the I thing though. It. Here's the thing though. When this finally does roll out on the CW, Trick and Carmelo better not be on no damn NXT come next October. All right. So it's gonna have to I be guarantee you Trick Williams probably will be. You know, Carmelo Hayes at least should not be on come next October, but we thought that both he and Braun Breaker were coming up last year, honestly. So we sit and we wait, but Hey man, there's only so many damn spots. So this is interesting. Uh, this is a good move for WWE for a lot of reasons, obviously a great move for the CW because now they get, they, they, they have something, they have a product, they have a brand, they have something that they can, they can sell and hopefully this is a, a good rebuilding tool for them and maybe if this is a lucrative deal for them and more people um you know it, it it makes their network more valuable maybe more homes will end up getting it and maybe they can build something around it again and you know we'll see they got five years 
We'll see where things go, how this is going to work in the ratings. But, hey, 35 to $37 million for something they used to give away for free on the WWE Network. That's good work uh, by WWE. And now there's that last domino to fall, Monday Night Raw. And there's multiple outlets who are reporting that WWE is talking to multiple TV networks right now. So I feel like you got to feel like with NXT now off the books, Monday Night Raw, maybe even by the end of this week, but I feel like imminently something's going to happen with Monday Night Raw. I would say sometime this month, something's going to yeah. happen with Monday Night Raw. I, I just get that feeling. That's not a report. That's just a gut feeling. We do know now that war games will be taking place once again at Survivor Series. Just what? Jesus, almost three weeks away now. Like we're Thanksgiving is right around the corner, folks. We got Thanksgiving. We got Black Friday. We got Survivor Series war games. And then it's Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. And almost 2024. It's almost here, damn it. But they announced that crown jewel that war games was coming back. And. I got to be honest with you, man. I think WWE kind of fumbled the bag by announcing that War Games was coming back at Crown Jewel. It would have really, and I, I got to give credit to our, our guy. Um, oh, my God, Graham. Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report today on Twitter who said the same exact thing, and I had to agree with him. It would have hit so much harder if they didn't make that announcement at Crown Jewel, if they didn't throw out that promotion that War Games was coming back. And then Adam Pierce announced War Games last night on Monday Night Raw. I think it would have hit. It was a great spot for Adam Pierce. I think he did great on, on Monday Night Raw to, to announce that that was going to be the War Games match. I think it would have hit so much harder, though, if they would have announced, if he would have been the official announcement that War Games was coming back, and it was kind of a little bit of a shock factor. But regardless, War Games is back. No bloodline involvement here, uh, SP3. We kind of talking about this, what the match might be. Uh, it's just more of the same, honestly, of what we have been seeing. It's that mixture of Rollins and Zayn and Cody Rhodes and who's the other one I'm forgetting at the moment, uh, the, the fourth member of that team against uh, Judgment Jay. Day. Huh? Jay, Jay Uso, thank you. Jay Uso and then Judgment Day plus J.D. McDonough. Uh, so J.D. McDonough is probably going to take the L here, I would imagine. But uh, <laughs> uh, your thoughts on everything surviving, uh, surrounding Survivor Series War Games here? I absolutely love it, and I I actually disagree with you and Graham. I don't think that it would have added much them not announcing it at Crown Jewel because we pretty much all knew that already. We all knew that War Games was going to be at Survivor Series, so them announcing it at Crown Jewel did not take away from the the great angle at the end of Monday Night Raw. I think it got the same type of reaction it would have got otherwise. It got the same type of pop, and I thought that Adam Pierce executed it very very well, and I thought that everything went down superbly. Everything just played out how we saw it was going to play out like two months ago. And we had to suffer through two months of the same thing happening on every single episode of Monday Night Raw until then. But it's fine. Cody Rhodes is now Stone Cold Steve Austin. He comes out with the glass shattering at the end of the show and makes the big baby face save. And we got that here. And we got Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn before that having an excellent main yeah. event matchup. And I think this is a big stage for the Judgment Day, a big platform for them. Their biggest match yet, a kind of a culmination of how much work and how much time has been invested into them, especially overall Monday Night Raw, that even without the bloodline getting involved, which I still think 
we will or we, we we should not count that out until we get past this week's smackdown sure but yeah. for now how it how it's standing i still think that there's a lot of interesting pieces in here with the history between cody and seth over on the babyface side the history of jay and sammy and how they're they basically their relationship kind of has grown from last year's war games then you got all the inner turmoil over on the judgment day side of jd mcdonough being the fangirl and not really being in the group and uh finn and damien having issues and damien having issues with Rhea being portrayed as the leader of the team so there's a whole bit uh, different dynamics even when you without even going into how these two teams connect with each other and the different matchups and the different rivalries that we got between these two sides, just looking at the two individual teams. It's very interesting, very intriguing where you can see that you have some interesting television left for them to tell in the next two weeks heading into survivor series. So I am all thumbs up for this and an excellent choice for the war games, the main event this year's event, even though, looking like a one match show y'all they put gunther back on t uh, back on a pay-per-view and it's against the miz we'll get to that we'll get to that we'll get to that we'll get to that but um i think the most interesting aspect of this match is the fact that you're going to have the world heavyweight champion locked in a double cage with mr money in the bank i think that's if if judgment day can come out on top and they can like, I don't know if they would do it there. I don't know if Damian Priest would 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 cash in at Survivor Series. You would ha- there. There's so many different variables that would have to come into play, uh, for for it to work and for it to be successful. But WWE has a chance here to do something really really creative if that's what they ultimately decide to do. Uh, the fact that Seth Rollins is not going to have a world title defense on this show and in fact is going to be inside, uh of war games is something that is interesting to me, especially when it still feels like there's some meat on the bone there with drew McIntyre. We first off, he and drew had a hell of a goddamn match at, at crown jewel. Those two started off the show. It was spectacular. Seth Rollins wins clean as a sheet, uh, which just adds another feather in the cap to this world heavyweight title run of his. I think that was a much needed big marquee win uh for for Seth Rollins that was the uh, kind of win that really kind of solidified this title run for him um but we saw a pissed off Drew McIntyre just kind of drive away off on Monday Night Raw I feel like Drew could still come into play at some point here there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things I don't know where this is going to go but for something that has been going on for several months now SP3 this still has my interest and I think this is something that you know triple h deserves some credit for since he has had full reign uh of creative is he has been able to do what he does best and that is present layered nuanced stories whether it's small stuff something that's as stupid as nikki cross just staring off blankly and being in a trance and just staring through uh uh Stu Bennett on uh, uh, Way Barrett, excuse me, on, on commentary after she was eliminated from a, a world title battle royal for for whatever reason. I don't know what's going on there, but he just he seems to have at least something for every character to do. And there's a lot of layers that's going on, especially on Monday Night Raw. And it's it's been fun to watch uh, the last couple of weeks. I am really looking forward to Friday Night Smackdown, though. 
because at Crown Jewel, we got the return of Kyrie Sane. Now, this is a name that popped up, I believe it was SummerSlam weekend is when the first reports came out that Kyrie Sane was coming back to WWE or was at least in contract negotiations with WWE. They were still kind of at their like hiring freeze at that moment. So there was a little bit of, yeah, she's coming back, but who knows when she's going to be back. And then she had all of these dates that she had to fill on her, on her calendar before she officially became free to come back. She's back. She shows up at crown jewel just when it looked like Bianca was going to overcome the odds as she always does and recapture the WWE women's championship. You get EO sky getting some surprise assistance here. Kyrie Sane comes out, helps EO Sky retain the championship, and the look on Bailey's face when that happened was absolutely brilliant. And this is the perfect spot for Kyrie Sane to come back. And you even heard Michael Cole bring it up on commentary. The last time we saw Kyrie Sane in WWE, she was being attacked and taken out by Bailey. And by Sasha Banks. Now, Sasha Banks is not here right now. And I'm not saying that Sasha Banks is coming back. It was, to do it. It was by Bailey. It wasn't by Sasha. It was by Bailey. Well, it was when the Kabuki Warriors and Sasha and, and Bailey. Anyway, yeah, Bailey was. was Bailey, Bailey attacked Curry backstage and Oscar left the ring. That's how Sasha won the Raw Women's Championship. But I'm just saying Sasha was involved in the storyline. That's all I'm saying. But it was no, but the, the whole story, the whole point of what they were saying on Michael Cole was it was Bailey that attacked. And Kyrie, and that was the last time we saw her. It was Bailey that attacked her. And now Kyrie, almost like an act of revenge, has come in here now and is like stealing EO Sky away from, from Bailey. This is like if they were going to split up damage control, which they have been heavily teasing teasing for almost a freaking year now at this point, right? Like Bailey being jealous of EO's title run and turning on her never made sense to me because all Bailey has done is be the MVP of EO Sky's WWE Women's Championship run. She was the one who played a blocker down the middle of the Ford field to set her up, taking three women out to help her win the championship. Anytime EO needed her, whether EO wanted her there or not, Bailey was there to help her go over and help her retain the championship. All of a sudden for Bailey to come out and be like, I did all this because I, I wanted to be the one to beat you or whatever the heck that people thought they were setting up never made sense to me. This, this is intriguing to where Kyrie Sane prize EO away from Bailey. And maybe now we can start to focus on turning Bailey back into that ultra over baby face that we have not seen for several years now. I there, There's a lot to love about this here, SP3. So when you said earlier, Triple H is doing a good job of uh, giving people to uh, stuff to do, and I kind of made a face. It's because he's not really giving people interesting stuff to do all the time. Like, he gives people stuff to do, but it's like it's like Triple H is a guy who has a big like wheel. It's like the 1900s or whatever. There's a big wheel and he gets the wheel to start moving. But you're all the way down here and you're waiting for the wheel. And he's like telling you, oh, it's going to come. Don't worry. It's going to come. And then the wheel stops. 
and then he's dragging the wheel the rest of the way. That's the storytelling that he's doing. Like, like the whole Judgment Day stuff that we were just talking about, he dragged that shit for like two months now. Now, with the women's division, I mean, like, whether it's whether you want to blame Vince McMahon or whatever it is, can anyone you can do it in the comments or Rick can tell me? Has there been one very interesting story in the women's division this year that had no issues? No. Oh, that had no issues. That had no issues because I know oh, you no, were gonna. No. I know you were gonna in the back of your head. You were ready to say Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, and I had a whole bunch of issues. So oh no, that's no, 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 no. no, that, no, no. that, that, that's actually the only story that had any type of effort to it to be to be interesting and intriguing. I will give it that, but none of the other stories like Rhea Ripley is by God like the th- top three biggest star in WWE, but that's through no work through her title reign at all her title reign is just a prop it's just a prop for her to walk around and look like a bigger star which she has done and and surprisingly despite her reign not living up to the expectations that i had for it at all she has maintained being quite over but she has not had one interesting story in her title run not one interesting storyline not one interesting not, 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 not that involves the women's division no no, no, no. It, and no, nothing in the, the men's division. It's just been about the Judgment Day. It's about her group and the Judgment Day and her being superior to everyone else in her group because she's not an incompetent douchebag like most of the people in her booth. So, like, like then you then you got Becky Lynch, who just recently they reignited her star power, but she had been wasting her time with a very flawed story from the very beginning with Trish Stratus that I told you was flawed. I told you it wasn't going to work from the very beginning. They stuck the landing. Congratulations. But we had a shit ride to then. And then, like everybody else, Bianca Belair, her title reign got, got stale. She had a, a feud with Asuka where they did the same thing for eight weeks. And then Asuka turns heel. No one decides to boo her, though. And then uh, then, she, then Bianca loses the title. And now she's just been playing this weird Batista, John Cena before SummerSlam 2008 thing with Charlotte Flair ever since then. And then you have damage control. And this whole thing with Kyrie coming in feels like the first time the women's division has an interesting, intriguing storyline this year. It feels like the first time the women's division has an interesting, intriguing storyline since Triple H got into control, honestly. And it feels like the first time that that since Triple H got into control that he is booking damage control competently. Because, like... It's like it's you insert Kyrie and there's so many different elements that this brings out because you have the whole Bailey attacked her and that was her way out. And she can be coming in and trying to take EO away from from Bailey as a form of revenge or she can be coming in and EO's opening the door her for her to join damage control, which will be even more paranoia for Bailey because she's like, I did this to her. She's going to betray me. When is it going to happen? Then you also have the element of when. Kyrie was last here. She her tag team partner was Asuka, part of the Kabuki Warriors. And now she comes back after being attacked by Bailey, and she's basically joining up with the enemy. Like, like you got Asuka's can can get involved in this whole thing. You have Bianca, who has been who has had damage control, a thorn in her side. It's like a whole bunch of roaches. Every time she stomps out one roach, another one of these damage control roaches just keeps popping out. She'll stomp them and they're still alive. Like 
<laughs> it just seems like she can never get a, get a hold of him. Charlotte's been screwed over by damage yep. control. You can still get in play. It looks like they, it seemingly, if if they could get another fourth person here from the Joshi world, which I, I'm sure we're going to talk about, or they could get Dakota Kai back, they can have their own war games just with damage control with the with the stories that they had. I know Dakota's not close to being back. I think they said it's January, but hey, they have an interesting story that has legs to it that I think that they can go through WrestleMania for the first time since Triple H has gotten into control. He has a woman storyline that has the potential to have the layers that we've seen from the men's division. And it's not just bloodline anymore. We saw a layered story with Ray and Dom. We've seen layered storytelling with the Judgment Day. We're seeing layered storytelling with Drew McIntyre right now. He has not done it with the women's division. This feels like it has that potential. Yeah, look, and look, I will go back to, again, I, it's hard for me to sit here and say that, you know, the last, most of this year has been to to lay it on Vince. I don't think that that's that's a fair thing to say because, frankly, I I just don't know. But I've, I've said it once, I'll say it again. It doesn't seem like it's a coincidence to me that all of a sudden Ari Emanuel takes Vince away from creative altogether, except for like 0.1% or whatever the hell it is. This is now all Triple H and his baby. And all of a sudden we are getting 15, 16, 17 women on Monday Night Raw every single week. It feels like to me that Triple H knows he needs to do work to build up this women's division because they have not been doing that and that's why you're seeing tegan knox on tv that's why zoe stark is getting a a big push and getting a world championship match at survivor series which we'll talk up here a little bit that's why you're seeing Shayna baszler being utilized that's why they brought naya Jax back in but like there's so many different women that they're showing up i thought Caden and katana had a fantastic showing in that battle royal and i want to see more of them on my tv screen i think they got a lot of work to do with the women's tag team division because they always do and there's still a ton of work But just the fact that over the last five weeks or so, we're starting to see more women be integrated into the show. I'm giving this a fresh start. Now, if I'm still sitting here six weeks from now and it's just this little piddly shit and we don't know what the hell's going on with Nikki Cross and we still can't get uh, Isla and Alba in a tag team match and, you know, like all of a sudden women start disappearing from the show, then I will start complaining. But right now I'm sitting here going, I can see that Triple H is trying to lay some groundwork here. I love what they're doing with Zia Lee. Zia Lee shows up. She takes out Caden, uh, uh, Candice LeRae and she takes out Becky to keep Becky away from the world title picture because we know that's going to be the WrestleMania match, which is Becky and Rhea. And then what happens? Zia Lee shows up on NXT last night to challenge Laya Valkyria for the NXT championship because, hey, even though Becky doesn't have the NXT World Championship, she's going after it because storyline continuity, which was something that we we never had before, right? So there's yeah. there are signs that there's improvement being made and there's an effort being put in. And that's why I feel like, you know, the, the future is much brighter. And that's why I get excited over just over just the littlest little things, SP3, because six months ago we weren't getting the littlest things they reunited the way on tv and then they disappeared forever and we still haven't seen dexter loomis and i don't know how freaking long because now we're just doing johnny and 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 tomaso and it's diy and they had a hell of a match with the creeds so and the creeds and ivy nile ivy nile's another one she had a good showing in the battle royal as well 
There's a yeah, lot I was going to say it's blasphemous. You mentioned Katie and Katana because I, I don't really remember them outside of Ivy now eliminating both of them. Ivy now had a very impressive run in that in that battle royal, and I felt like she was one of the focuses of putting her over in her raw debut. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of like really, really little things to get that I personally am excited about because I see the work being put in where several weeks ago I saw no work being put in whatsoever. So that's where I, I that's where I'm kind of at a hope that the future is bright and there's going to be major change. And I love the fact that Kyrie's coming in. I love the fact that WWE was is, is trying to bring in more outside free agents even though you still have a ton of women and this, this this roster is stacked and you look at NXT right now and you're like 12 women deep on that show uh, at this moment, if not even more than that. And now they have heavy interest in the reigning artist of stardom champion, Julia, when she hits free agency in March SP3. Now you um, are the resident wrestling expert. You watch literally everything, every minute of everything, every single week for those people who are unfamiliar with Julia. Uh, why is WWE so heavily interested in her? Well, first of all, stardom is the best women's promotion out there. If you want to see the best women's wrestling in the world, you watch stardom there. They are, have produced some of the best women's wrestlers that you you've seen as of late. And some of the best women's wrestlers on current American television, whether it's EO sky, whether it's Kyrie saying Tony storm is a former uh, world of stardom champion. So like the list goes on and on of women that have gone through stardom, whether it's thunder Rosa, whether it's uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Shayna Baszler, uh, the stardom is the place to be and a place that has been a hub for the best women's wrestlers in the world for the past decade and julia is just another line of that from the lineage of the the, the Kyrie, uh eo sky and mai iwatani the threedom the three kind of the three princesses of stardom the next generation after that is the julia the tam nakano and yatami hayashita and shuri that those are the girls that are now the pillars of stardom and Julia is the one that has the most crossover appeal because, first of all, she's a beautiful woman and she's very different from everybody else in stardom because she's part Italian. So she could speak Italian. She could speak Japanese. I think that she has to work on her English if she does uh, expect to go to a WWE. But I think that it's very obvious why WWE would be interested in her. She's accomplished everything she needed to accomplish in stardom pretty much world of stardom champion wonder of stardom champion artists of stardom champion right now which is their trios championship and she's also the current njpw strong women's champion and she has kind of solidified that title as the women's championship for new japan pro wrestling despite it being the secondary women's title to the iwgp women's championship because she's put in so much work to come over here to the united states to perform in philadelphia in a four-way matchup where she won against impact talent and njpw and stardom talent and then she just recently beat hyan at fighting spirit unleashed if you want to go out of your way to go and watch julia i suggest you go 
and watch her matchup with Shuri last year, uh, December of 2022, where she won the World of Stardom Championship. She is very hard hitting in the ring. She just has so much poise, so much presence to her. She is a crossover star waiting to happen and has been one of the best women's wrestlers in the world for the past four years, which is why since 2019, when she was with Ice Ribbon before she came to stardom, WWE has been interested in her. So it's not like really big new news. It's not a bit something that's been going on for a while. And I think that maybe PW Insider kind of shot their load too much, saying that she was expected to be at the uh, performance yeah. center. And Dave had to push that back. Like, nah, she's kind of booked up till January and she's got to sign through March. I would not be surprised, though, in 2024 if Julia made that crossover because I feel like she's someone that instantly, if she signs with WWE, she gets the buzz and the push that EO, Asuka, Kyrie got when they first came over. I was going to say, does now WWE is obviously interested, which means they're going to be invested in her, uh, which means they're going to have creative plans for her. The question becomes, is she a good fit uh, for WWE? Because the second that, you know, this news kind of came out today, I see the, you know, sarcastic people who are very anti WWE who are like screaming, no, don't do this. Don't take Julia away. Don't put her in WWE because they're afraid. Like they feel like it's like 1999 all over again here. Um, and granted, I know we just spent several minutes talking about how the booking of the women's division has not been great in either WWE or AEW, to be fair, over the last year or so. I don't I don't do the what about is Rick. We're not gonna do that. We don't have the fans in the chat today. We're not gonna do what about. We're talking about WWE. We don't need right. to talk about AEW. AEW don't deserve to be talked about when we're talking about women's booking to begin with. So we're talking about WWE. Let's focus sure. on WWE. okay. Let's focus on that. Because well, the reason why I bring up AEW is because if she's gonna do a crossover, if she's gonna come to the United States, that's unless she's gonna go to Impact as well, right? So like Impact, WWE, AEW, throw them all out there. Um, I guess she could go to NWA, but like let's throw all those out there. Is WWE the best fit? Does she fit with WWE or would she fit better someplace else? Um, I, I think I think I I understand if you're a Joshi fan, you're a fan of stardom, why you wouldn't want Julia to go to a WWE? Because regardless of no, WWE is not what it was in 1990, but 100% believe AJ Styles that worked in New Japan. That's not the AJ Styles we got in WWE. We got a great AJ Styles, but we did not get the same AJ Styles that I saw a month before he came to WWE. That AJ Styles that we saw in New Japan against Shinsuke Nakamura, we've never seen that AJ Styles in WWE. So it's just in, in how what it way? is. I'm curious. In, in what way? I'm curious. They, they tell you to soften up a little bit. They cut down a lot of your offense. They have a structure and a style to their matchup that is not always conducive for people that have this kind of like freedom to go all out, to go to hit as hard as they do, especially in stardom. If you want, I want another match, another match to go watch and say okay we're not going to get that julia in wwe watch julia versus tam nakano from all-star uh dream queendom earlier this year a match i rated five stars the only five star women's matchup this year it's one of the most physical matchups i've i've seen from a woman because she dead ass just bruises and punches this this small little asian girl in the face and bruises her up she ain't gonna be able to do that 
And that's a different style of Julia. Like, there's, it's going to be a different. It does not matter. The Tony Storm we get in AEW today in the matches is not the Tony Storm we got in WWE. It's just a fact of the matter. Regardless of if you're a diehard WWE fan or not, you have to understand that these people that are like, oh, man, I don't want to see Julia go to WWE. They have a point. They have a point. Yeah, because they don't want to see Julia be basically shrunken down. Uh, it's not the Julia that we have grown to love, not the Julia that has gained this heavy attention from WWE. When she signs that contract, that Julia will be marginalized in some way, some fashion, some form, regardless of if you want to admit it or not. You got a prediction on what ultimately might happen next year? with her oh she's going to wwe okay i'm heard pretty, yeah yeah i'm pretty much i'm pretty much convinced uh that this this is basically basically what happened was mike johnson and pw inside this is me speculating reckless speculation i'll put it out there <laughs> mike johnson and uh pw insider caught wwe basically contract tampering and then wwe was like yo dave 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 tell him tell him we ain't do that we ain't do that no 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 she's contracted <laughs> to march she contracted to march we ain't do that we ain't do that tell him tell him dave What's sad is I could totally see that being the case. <laughs> it's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. It is time for the five count. These are the five big questions that I put together for SP3 this week. I'll be answering them as well. Let us go back to Crown Jewel last weekend. Roman Reigns did shockingly hang on to the WWE Universal Championship by defeating LA Knight. And in shocking fashion... He won via outside interference. Solo Sokoa gets involved. Jimmy Uso gets involved. LA Knight gets speared. He gets pinned. And everybody rolls their damn eyes. It's the same way that Jay got beat. It's the same way that Cody got beat. It's the same way that Sammy got beat. It's the same way that Drew McIntyre got beat. And frankly, SB3, a lot of people are sick of it. I'm kind of sick of it. Like, I'm sitting here going, please, I understand it. You want to find a way to protect LA Knight because he's on this meteoric rise. You want to find a way to keep the world title on, on Roman Reigns. That is, that is not a, a, an easy task. But you are the top wrestling company in the world. In the world. So you claim to be. Can we get a little bit of damn creativity with how you finish these matches? Because it has been rinse and repeat with Roman's reign since Clash at the Castle. It has been rinse and repeat. Like, Clash at the Castle was at least like, oh, shit, Solo Sokoa debuted. Okay, that's cool. But since then, it has been rinse, repeat, and people are tired of it. Is it a lack of creativity? Or are they just doing this shit on purpose, SP3? Um, so I, um, the reason I predicted what I predicted and the reason why it was true is because I know WWE. Y'all, y'all don't seem to know WWE. Rick don't seem to know WWE. But when WWE is on fire, when WWE is successful, name me when they show creativity in the main event scene. Let's go back to the 1980s, <laughs> folks. Let's go to 1984 <laughs> through 1988. Hulk Hogan was our WWF champion. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how ninety nine point nine percent of the matches went down at that matchup. Uh, Hogan comes in. He takes a bit of the offense, and the heel cuts him off. He gets the heat. Hogan kicks out of his finisher at two. He hooks up three punches, big boot, leg drop. It's over. We got that for four fucking years. He loses the title. Gets it back a year later. We get it for a full year again. Like, like they went a decade with Hogan doing the same matchup. Let's go. Let's go to to not as successful times. Let's go to John Cena. John Cena's era of WWE. I I guarantee you. I can tell you what ninety percent. We won't go as high as Hogan, but about eighty-five to ninety percent of his matches. Cena comes in. He looks good. Heel cuts him off. Heel takes the heat. Cena comes back. Five moves to doom. doom. FU, attitude adjustment. However you want to call it. SCFU, he wins. That's, that's how why he, he got booed out of every building he went into. But guess what? But guess what? Every building he went into. Guess who the people bought the most merchandise for? Okay. Despite booing them out the building. That they made money. So if they, if you, if you want, if you are so vexed about WWE showing a lack of creativity for Roman title defenses, you have one choice to make. Stop giving the money. <laughs> You're going to keep getting this. You're going to keep getting this. I am totally fine with this. I have grown to accept this. I, we are we are verging back into where I was in 2017, where I, I I ironically started cheering for Roman Reigns because he was so detestable that I decided to, to make him the number one person I would cheer for at WWE events and thus birth true heel heat that's basically the origin story of true heel heat is when i try i chose to ironically start cheering for roman reigns and now i'm unironically cheering for roman reigns to do the same uncreative finish until y'all choose to either shit or get off the pot Stop complaining about this shit and keep giving the money because you're the problem. So there, there is something. And once again, I, I don't agree with a lot of what he said, but Bully Ray on Busted Open this week was talking about how they want to, like Triple H wants to anoint Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. He wanted to at WrestleMania 39 probably and, and was talked out of it or overruled or something along those lines. So Bully Ray's theory is that they want Roman's reign to be so damn stale by the time that WrestleMania rolls around that there is not one person in TKO, in the front office, anywhere that wants the same shit and the status quo to stay the same and that Cody Rhodes is the overwhelming decision across the board, unanimous decision, Cody Rhodes wins in the main event of WrestleMania 40, which is what they should have done at WrestleMania 39. Even though they did have given us some good stories, you know, throughout the year at, at varying points. But until we actually get to that point, I'm, I'm actually okay if Roman just does one more title defense at the Royal Rumble and then, hey, fuck it, we'll see it. We'll see it at Mania. Like, in all honesty, like, I, at that point, I'm kind of I'm kind of cool if that's just what we end up doing. 
if, if that's what we end up doing, whether it's Cody Rhodes who wins the Royal Rumble or, or however you're going to get Cody to that point. That's the other question I have is how do you get Cody back to Roman? Do you have do you just do the easy route of having him win back to back Royal Rumbles? Do you have the World Heavyweight Title Challenger win the Royal Rumble and and Cody has to go through even more adversity SP3 to get back to Roman Reigns does he have to win elimination chamber against the entire bloodline to get back to 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 Roman Reigns? I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they decide to do it, but I think there's a lot of validity to um to bully race theory as well but also to your point there is an argument to be made if it ain't broke why fix it if halfback dive is working for eight yards of carry f it i'm gonna pull the old ohio state i'm gonna keep running it up the middle until they can stop it and wwe right now is an unstoppable freight train and they have just just like what we talked about two weeks ago or three weeks ago with bringing in cm punk why are you why are you upsetting the apple cart? Why are you changing things right now? If it's working, if the main event scene is working, why 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 are you bringing it and, in right and, now? And this is why, if WWE decides to do Roman Cody two, and Roman wins again, I may explode. <laughs> I may I may combust in like the pure unadulterated happiness. I'm gonna be in tears, especially if I'm there in Philly. If I'm there live and Roman wins. Oh my God! I'm gonna be in. I want someone to record me in my like the happiness. Well, everybody is depressed and sad again. Oh my God! I'm gonna be so happy. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. It's gonna be like oh. Please, they could debut the other USO. (laughs) Debut a new USO. Please, I'm I'm still calling right now. I still I still got a feeling that. Damian Priest cashes on Cody after he wins it. I, I still think you want to get nuclear fucking heat. You have Cody beat Roman, and then two minutes later, you have Damian Priest cash in on him. Uh, let's talk about another member of the bloodline who also won this past weekend in Solo Sokoa. Uh, you want to talk about booking done right to a T. This was it. This was a match that we uh, talked about um, ad nauseum last week about being very layered. Does John Cena still have a good performance in him? Uh, if he doesn't, does Solo Sokoa have uh, it in him to carry John Cena to a good performance and make this match memorable? Ultimately, John Cena did go out there. He still does have it. He was able to put together a good performance, and he put over Solo Sokoa in the best way possible. Like, Solo Sokoa murdered this man. How many Simone Spice did he hit him with? Six, seven, eight, nine, twelve? I don't know. I lost count. But he just kept beating this man into the ground. He was Brock Lesnar to John Cena's Cody Rhodes. He just beat him, and he beat him, and he beat his ass until he decided he was going to pin John Cena. And now, Solo Sokoa, the unstoppable enforcer of the bloodline, has got this huge notch in his bedpost kind of victory here on his card. And now it's like, okay, SP3, that's a dominating win over John Cena. What could that do for him moving forward? 
I think this puts Solo Sokoa in a position of like one of the future stars and one of the guys you would put into the conversation of should we anoint this guy to be the guy that dethrones Roman Reigns and takes over the company because this was a big stamp of approval from John Cena that only made me further question what did Austin Theory do to piss John Cena off? Did he shit in his bag? Did he try to sleep with his wife? Like, what did he do to him? Because this man has gone out of his way to put over L.A. night. He just had Solo Sokoa throat fuck him with his thumb 11 times. 11 times he penetrated his throat with his thumb with those Samoan spikes. And so I'm I'm very much convinced that John Cena hates Austin Theory's guts. That's That's what happened. That's what happened. That's why he did that to Austin Theory. Solo Sokoa, on the other hand, it puts him in a position where I'm either like, okay, he has to have either a rematch for John Cena at WrestleMania 40 or what I think they should do, Solo Sokoa versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 40. Mm. Brock Lesnar does not have a ready-made WrestleMania opponent, and I feel like Solo Solo Sokoa, if they keep him on the track that this started with this dominant win over John Cena, the probably the most dominant win over John Cena since SummerSlam 2014 against who? Brock Lesnar. So I think that would be a ready-made matchup for Mania 40. There, there are. There is a a large part of me that would like this this victory to now kind of give solo in character mind you give solo sokoa the uh the confidence and the acknowledgement uh his self-acknowledgement that he doesn't need any of this bullshit with the bloodline right like he doesn't need to be roman reigns bobo he doesn't need uh you know to have jimmy uso hanging around him he doesn't need to be taking orders from paul Heyman, and we have subtly seen him start to go off of the plan off of the bloodline plan like he doesn't listen to paul Heyman nearly as much right we saw little moments where um was it the match against it was the tag team match where roman got pinned right where roman is like almost like crying in the corner because he couldn't put away jimmy or jay uso whichever one was in the middle of the ring it was i think it was jay at that point and solo is the one like looking at him like motherfucker what are you doing what and he was the one who picked Roman Reigns back up and got him back into the fight. I am hoping that this pushes him forward to where he outgrows the bloodline. And maybe we get a, because I th- I still think AJ Styles is the Royal Rumble opponent. Maybe at Elimination Chamber, we get Solo Sokoa versus Roman Reigns. No. Maybe, maybe. No. no. I want Roman Reigns to be alone, to actually be alone and have to fight Cody Rhodes one-on-one at WrestleMania 40. However, we got to get there. Folks, Rick Giacchino is the type of dude that gets a kiss and he wants a, he wants a hand job. Like, dude, you're like, you're like, come on. Like, 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 why, why we got to go from zero to a hundred? He ain't ready for that. He ain't ready for a Roman Reigns title match at Elimination Chamber. No, he's not ready. He's not ready to be the guy that beats Roman Reigns. That's for damn sure. Like, let's, him, let's, but, yeah. but but he's not ready for the match. He's not ready for that match yet. Like, at, be- at best, 
I thought the match would happen at Mania 40. That's definitely not going to happen now. And maybe the matchup can happen at Mania 41. But you don't blow your load now. Like, you're the same guy who said you wanted to do Jay Cargill and Bianca Belair. Like, now. Like, it's like, dude, like, relax. You talk me out of that one. You talk me out of that one. It's November 7th. I understand your horny. It's November 7th. WWE is not going to touch your penis. WWE is not going to touch your penis if you're hard. Relax. Elimination Chamber is four months away. Four months away. Four months of storytelling that we could get to that point. Because if, if, if Solo Sokoa just goes back to being Roman Reigns Bobo, this win doesn't do much Roman for him. Roman Reigns put him on the mission to do this to begin with. He literally told him that's his mission. His mission is to destroy Don Cena. What would this, like, if this was him solo going out of his way and being like, no, I'm going to take out John Cena. I'm going to take care of him himself. Then what you're saying makes sense. But the, the the premise of this does not make sense for what you're you're looking for because the premise of this whole dominant win was it was orchestrated by Roman Reigns. So why would that give him the confidence to go against Roman Reigns? I mean, th- there would have to be some other steps that would have to go along the way. Again, you have four months. SP3, I'm not the one in the fucking writer's room, okay? I'm not the one in the writer's room. I don't have everything figured out. I'm fucking spitballing here. Jesus. This is probably what Vince Russo used to do. He just did a bit st- silly ideas. I'm not. I, not I, 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 I'm not. I'm not the writer. You guys figure it out how to get there. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, we know who we're getting two ti- major title matches at Survivor Series in Chicago. Zoe Stark winning the Women's Battle Royal. She will go one-on-one with Rhea Ripley for the World Heavyweight Championship. And The Miz, SP3, as you alluded to earlier in the show, is going one-on-one with Gunther in Chicago for the Intercontinental Championship. Triple H, make the right call with these two booking decisions. I have a feeling you're going to say no on one of them. I mean, The Miz, The Miz being booked to face Gunther, it's just like, man, we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. We can't have Gunther on a premium live event. He got to be against The Miz. Really? Really, though? I'm sure it's going to be a good match because Gunther is Gunther. He doesn't have bad matches. I, I'm totally, I think he did make the right call with Zoe Stark, you know, putting over someone new, giving them the opportunity, a big chance against Rhea Ripley. I don't see the fans in Chicago responding to this very well, but it's a, it's a big opportunity for Zoe Stark. And I think that she's worked hard since she's come to the main roster to earn this chance. So I am more comfortable with this decision than I am with The Miz. I, look, there. If there's one thing, now granted, the, again, the story was not without its issues. But what Triple H has done with Zoe Stark since bringing her up, immediately putting her in a main event feud, having her, you know, uh, her her status be elevated by being associated with Trish Stratus, and now she she goes out there in this fatal five way at Crown Jewel. I thought she was a standout in that match, which was a really fun match that that showcased each woman individually and put Rhea Ripley over uh in the end. And now she has this opportunity for a for a one-on-one matchup. And yeah, she's not over with the crowd yet. But again, this is this is just putting in the work. Uh, just like it, just like with the creeds and DIY, they didn't get a huge reaction on the Monday Night Raw crowd on Monday. But you keep going out there and you have banger matches like that. Eventually, 
people start to come around. So this is a good opportunity for Zoe. I think they, these two are going to put on a hell of a match where they're going to beat the holy hell out of each other. Rhea is going to retain. Not that big of a deal. Zoe looks good in defeat. I have no issue with this. If Becky wasn't going to win it, and it was pretty obvious she wasn't going to win it when she got her fucking head kicked off by Zia Lee and was taken out of the match. By the way, I loved how Adam Pierce was like, you think you're getting in this fucking ring after what you just did? Get the hell out of here. I loved that. I absolutely love that. Um, regardless, I was like, I hope Zoe wins this. She deserves this spot. She's done really, really solid work. I think she's grown uh, more comfortable on the microphone and being a, a performer as, as in addition to being a great professional wrestler, 100% got that one right. When I look at the Fatal 4-Way, I'm sitting here and I'm going, well, it's got to be The Miz, doesn't it? Like, of uh, uh, the four people that they put in that yeah. match, we already saw the Ricochet match, right? I love the fact that they are they're, they're pushing Ivar as a solos competitor now instead of just taking him off of TV because Eric had neck fusion surgery, so he's going to be out for a long-ass time. We wish him a speedy recovery, obviously. But when, when Ivar was out, with a similar injury, we didn't see Eric, and Valhalla wasn't in the company. So the fact that they're pushing Ivar as a singles competitor, I like that. I don't think he's ready for an Intercontinental Championship match yet. Let's you know be more of a steady, patient build with that. And then we literally just saw Bronson Reed and Gunther. Now, I wouldn't mind wanting to see it again, but when Bronson Reed loses clean as a sheet to Gunther, okay, move on, next guy. To me, The Miz was the obvious choice, and I do like, I, I sit here and I roll my eyes that out of the blue, they're just like, oh, we're going to turn The Miz baby face now. Like, he he's going to be honorable, and, you know, he's going to try, and he's going out there, on, and he's, like, kicking himself off of the ropes, and he's doing tornado DDTs and shit that we haven't seen him do since, like, since WWE 2K15. Like, we haven't seen him do that shit in, like, eight I swear, years. I swear, I swear, though, WWE fans see Miz string together four moves, and it's like, oh, he's great. He's, 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 he's on the top. He's on the top of his form. It's like, dude, you're doing it in slow motion. It's not as it's not the own that y'all think it is. But yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate Miz showing more effort. Yes, because, well, his character for the last... Eight damn years has been, I'm cocky, I'm schmarmy, I'm living off of my reputation, and I win because I cheat and because I'm smart. He doesn't go out there and put on. It was the same thing that we saw with Sami Zayn during his heel intercontinental title runs. He wasn't going out there and having these banger-type matches like he had with Seth Rollins on Monday night. That's just a heel character that he was portraying. So now that he, uh, at the drop of a hat, is this uh, unappreciated, often disrespected babyface, and they're trying to get sympathy behind the man. And you got Gunther coming out there and saying, "I have absolutely no respect for the only two-time Grand Slam champion in WWE history." He's like, "Yeah, you're fairly entertaining, but you're basically a bitch, and I would squash you." Um, people forget how good of an Intercontinental Champion the Miz was back in the day. So I actually don't even mind the story that they're trying to tell here. Uh, I wish that some of Gunther's Intercontinental title defenses would have been on premium live events. And we know now that he's got some travel issues and he actually can't go outside the country, which is why he hasn't been on a couple of these premium live events and why he won't be uh, in Perth, Australia for Elimination Chamber. We do know that. Thankfully, the, you know, Survivor Series is in Chicago. Royal Rumble is in Tampa. So, you know, he, he can go to those. But just to keep getting Gunther... Well, I mean, he's kind of running out of opponents, too, at this point. So at least there's an interesting story that they can tell here. So, yeah. Yeah. I think they got them both right here. 
Honestly, I think I think they got them both right here. We'll see. We will see. This is an awesome Ibar was the right choice. Ivar was the right choice in the fourth. And you know what? He might have been the actual choice because they kind of effed up that finish. Ricochet yep. was not supposed to kick out on Monday Night Raw. And now Ivar and the Miz are facing each other. I who knows if Miz even makes it. Even make how's the Miz supposed to beat Ivar next week on Monday Night Raw? We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. Now, SP3, this is one of these rhetorical questions that I like to throw out because I already know what the answer is, but I'm putting it out there because this is something that I have, I've grown tired of seeing over the last few weeks as people on social media losing their damn minds over all of the promotional material that is coming out uh, for All in London 2024. Obviously, tickets going on sale. It was Tony Khan's big announcement last week. You know, yeah, the big announcement. We got tickets yeah, on sale. This definitely could have been an email. Didn't need to take up time on my television screen. But you're seeing all these stars that are on these posters. You're seeing Dr. Britt Baker. You're seeing Christian. You're seeing Edge. There's, there's one notable omission, though, SP3, and it's the man that has been the forefront front and center in like five different storylines is literally carrying collision and, and, and AEW dynamite right now. And that's the world champion MJF. He is not on any of the promotional materials that is going out there for all in London right now. Does that tell you anything? Because you got people who are looking at that going, Oh man, Oh man, that's, that's not good. That's got to mean something, right? SP three. That's got to mean something. Yeah. It's got to mean that AEW is playing into the whole bidding war of 2024, or they just want to be on the safe side that he's not signed through that date. So yes. they're not going to put him on the promotional That's material. That's, That's literally pretty simple. It. That's literally it. Like I'm seeing people losing their damn minds, and I'm like, guys, I would do the same thing. I would do the same thing if I don't have, if I can't guarantee that I'm going to have a talent under contract when that date rolls around i'm not gonna advertise them because then people are gonna if i don't have them they're gonna be pissed yeah i always i call it the g1 supercard effect g1 supercard tickets uh went on sale for that event the new japan pro wrestling and ring of honor going to madison square garden for the first time it went on sale i believe in the summer or the fall of 2018 when kenny omega was the iwgp heavyweight champion when the young bucks were a part of ring of honor and they advertised them on the advertisement to promote the tickets going on sale Tickets went on sale, sold out, and when we got to April of 2019, all members of the Elite were working with All Elite Wrestling and were not part of the G1 Supercard. So, yes, I do think this is a wise decision by AEW. And I guarantee you, the second that they announce that this man has signed a new deal, his face will be front and center on every damn promotional poster for that show. Guaranteed. I'm honestly surprised that there wasn't an, uh, an, another face on on this promotional material. The the brand new, the brand new full time two year signee SP three. So after Tony Khan on Wednesday had this big announcement that ended up being tickets going on sale that should have been an email, we get an email on Thursday. AEW has signed 74-year-old Ric Flair 
to a multi-year contract. Now we knew he was going to be here through the through Sting's retirement in March. And we didn't know what he brought to the table, <laughs> why why he was here, other than just as like a favor to Sting, and Sting wanted him around because you know they they were an integral part in each other's careers, right? Um, what the fuck is Tony Khan thinking? <laughs> Signing seventy four year old Ric Flair to a two year full time multi year contract, like what what value what value does this man bring? Do you honestly think again? Then, and then you're trotting out Ric Flair. To do media interviews right and he's talking to sports illustrated and he's like oh yeah i can't wait to get out there i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna go one-on-one on the mic with mjf i want to do that so bad and you know it's gonna pop a rating and my doctor my doctor is uh, you know he's cleared me I, I could i could take bumps I, i'm ready to go out there and first off let me just say that's why people don't trust doctors is you got fucking dr nick riviera out there clearing rick flair 74 year old barely could get in the damn ring looks like joe biden walking down to the freaking ring hobbling his ass in there just to give sting a hug and you're gonna have that man out there taking bumps bitch are you crazy and that's on top of all of the damn baggage that came with this man. You're gonna you're gonna ban Hulk Hogan from your company, but you're gonna sign Ric Flair and his damn energy drink to a multi-year contract. What the hell are we thinking with this SP3? I said on Twitter, I'll say it here. I think signing Ric Flair might be the one of the worst decisions image-wise AEW has ever done. Because I don't see any type of value to Ric Flair being with All Elite Wrestling. Yes, casual fans know him. Casual fans also know Hulk Hogan, Tony Khan, who you've gone on record and said is banned from from All Elite Wrestling. And his wife as well. His wife didn't do anything wrong. His wife is right there with him. She's banned from All Elite Wrestling events because of what Hogan said on, you know, a tape where he said some some things that I will never like him for ever again. Uh, but Rick, but you you stood on this whole like, you know, hill a moral a moral higher ground with him. You've also stood a moral higher ground on Visick Man and made his uh his misconduct and his allegations jokes in your Twitter in your Twitter responses to fans. And then you decided, hey, Pot, I'm going to go hire the kettle. And you hired a guy who has gone on pub on interviews on public, gone on record and bragged about how many women he has sexually uh, harassed and gotten away with it since the 80s. Decisions. This whole image of AEW being this beacon of light, this progressive company. It all just slowly tears away and unravels like the latest episode of Low Key. Like the whole multiverse is all collapsing around AEW after signing Ric Flair, basically. It, it definitely feels like they are getting more and more away of what made them successful, right? They, they were the alternative. They were the young, hip company with a lot of up-and-comers, hungry guys who were coming out there. And, and wanted to to prove something. Guys who had chips on their shoulders. Guys built around a couple of guys who were well-known. The Cody Rhodes of the world, right? The Kenny Omegas who had some international appeal. Signing Chris Jericho still to this day is the best decision that Tony Khan 
ever made with AEW because it instantly gave that, that company credibility and it gave him a credible first world champion. Bringing in John Moxley, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's also a guy who's still in his prime. But now you look at a lot of their key main event players, and most of them I don't have an issue with, but when you have an entire company now that is is built around a main event scene where you have MJF, who's 26, 27, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's coming up on his prime. I don't even think he's hit his prime years yet. So you, you've hit a home run with MJF. But you've got guys like Wardlow and, and Powerhouse Hobbs and for the longest time, Swerve Strickland, like uh, Hangman Adam Page to an extent, who are taking back seats to the Samoa Joes and the Christians and the edges now of, of the world, guys who are in their 40s and now 50s and now 70s. I mean, Sting is out there like at 64 and he's getting ready to retire. Like it, it feels like how that we, we saw Juventud Guerrero for crying out loud in, in a damn match uh, in, in WWE. It's like all the things that we hated about WWE constantly trotting out the, the old veterans like Undertaker and Goldberg every freaking year. Like, I'm honestly surprised Goldberg hasn't showed up in WWE at this damn point. But um, all these guys that constantly show up at WrestleMania and taking all these other guys' spots, like, we lambasted WWE for doing that, even though we understood it. We wanted to see more of the younger talent that today's stars get the opportunity, and it just feels like Tony Khan is really getting away from building the next generation of stars and is relying on people who already have name value to try to get buzz and get something cooking around the product the, the, the product is still good it's still good and every show and every every company evolves but it, it's really honestly starting to feel more and more like wcw2 at, at, at this point with a lot of no the- this this move is more akin to tna this is more that's TNA. fair yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. With, right. with hiring this is similar to how I felt when Ric Flair came into TNA in 2010 after his whole retirement in 2000 in 2008. Like it felt like this, and this is worse because he's this is now what 15 years later, and now he's 74 and he's uh, he's coming to a and new he ain't company. a good 74. He ain't no, a, he, don't, he don't look good at all. No, he don't he look looks good like at a all. melted candle. Uh, hell, look at Paul White who's gonna wrestle. And like and his, his knees, his knees look like they're looking at each other. <laughs> he can't move. He can't move. And this is the man you're gonna probably put over on Powerhouse Hobbs. What are we doing? They're gonna they ain't gonna put him over Powerhouse Hobbs. Kyle Fletcher is gonna take the loss in this match. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. But yeah. still, still, like <sighs> hey, hey, I I have no issues with that with that matchup. And I, and I and I and I am having difficulty with people that are put, kind of grouping this stuff together. I think it's two totally different things. Uh, Paul White coming in for a spot in a multi-man matchup is sure. not okay. the same that's, as hiring Rick Flair, admitted yeah. sexual assaulter. It's a little different, folks. I understand it's, it's, it's that one image, issue from pounding image, on top of the other. Yes, I know. I know it's the image of older people or ex WWE people coming in, but Paul Way has been with the company for two years now, and right. he's wrestled one other matchup. So relax, relax. Yeah. No, and again, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, again, I don't have a problem individually. I don't. Christian's doing the best work of his damn career right now. I'm happy that Adam Copeland is happy and he's going to get to close out his career with Christian. I like, I don't have a problem with, with any of that. I will still pop for sting because he can still go in the ring. And ultimately, you know, he's really helped elevate Darby Allen. Like there's been some good stuff with this, but, and I love Samoa Joe. I think he's doing the best work of his career right now, 
But again, when you have your entire company that was one thing when it started, when it was at its most successful, and now most of the guys that you're heavily featuring are on the latter stages of their career, it all compounds. And then you bring in 74-year-old Ric Flair who adds on to that issue already and then has an entire separate bag of motherfucking issues on the day, like the day after, right? Like they put out that wonderful, like Doja Cat video featuring so many of the, the AEW women's division. And that got people think, oh my God, like, what if this, what if this, uh, this, this announcement is something to do with like the women getting their own show. Maybe they're going to give them rampage or this, that, and the other thing, they're going to announce something cool with the women's division with this Doja Cat video. This is going to be really cool. Then he announced ticket sales and then he brings in fucking Rick fucking Flair uh, on Thursday. Like that, that was a holy shit. Y'all got your hopes way too goddamn high for that. And then just the roller coaster, it was Final Destination 3. Like it didn't just drop, it fell off the goddamn track. And the only thing that I can think of, SP3, that makes any sense on this whatsoever, and I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I'm looking at the evidence and I'm going, is Tony Khan trying whenever her contract is up? Is Tony Khan trying to pry Charlotte away from, from WWE? Her husband's there. Her Indeed. father's there now. Is That's the only thing I could think of is he's trying to play the long game. He's trying to play chess. And he's saying, hey, come over here. Your family's here. This could be your new home. But why the hell on God's green earth would Charlotte leave WrestleMania main events to come and wrestle at 920 on a Wednesday night? Yeah, you gotta you gotta care about the women first, and Tony don't care about the women one iota. He has set up a hell of a card for tonight, though. One yeah. for the road. One for the road. What you looking forward to most tonight? Um, I'm gonna say it's a toss up between Surf Strickland versus Penta El Zero Metal. I think that's gonna be great. Those two guys, you know, have experience working with each other from their time in Lucha Underground, and I think it's gonna be so much fun. And I like the setup for the matchup that they did on Collision, where where uh, Swerve says, "Yeah, me and Penta used to both wear masks before." Little shout out to our Lucha Underground fans, and of course, uh, MJF versus Daniel Garcia for the AEW World Championship because it feels like a Tony Khan basically answer to a fan criticism that we just mentioned about yeah. all the old guys because now we have the youngest AEW World Championship matchup of all time with 27-year-old Maxwell Jacob Freeman versus 26-year-old Daniel Garcia. This one should be a great one coming up on Dynamite. Yes, and heck, MJF even... Like they even made that a storyline. Like MJF even has said that in his promo package on, on collision alluded to the fact of, Hey, you know, we got all these damn dinosaurs now or whatever the hell it was. And like, this is what this company was supposed to be focused on. So yes, credit where it's due. That matchup is going to be great, but God damn it. Meat, 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 all the fucking meat. Samoa Joe and Keith Lee. That should be fun. Oh. <laughs> this, is a, this is a hell of a lineup. You got, got Sting and Darby Allen going to be in tag team action. Red Velvet and Julia Hart's back. Yes, oh. Julia Hart, the draw. The draw. Watch, watch, watch AEW Dynamite get 900,000 because Julia Hart's back on. And Red Velvet for the first time in a year. In a year. I'll take that. Guaranteed that match is going to be on at 920. It's only going to last about four minutes. But damn it, I'm excited for it. Well, I'm Julia excited for those out. four minutes. Julie's going to stand out. That's all that matters. And we get a sit-down interview with Timeless Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida, which oh, should be great. because She already requested it's going to be in black and white. 
what you got going on true hill heat this week sp3 uh, check out the True Hill He YouTube channel later today. We got our NJPW Lone Star Shootout preview for the show this coming Friday with Zack Sabre Jr. versus Speedball Mike Bailey, Yashingo Takagi versus Trent Beretta, Mai Iwatani defending the IWGP Women's Championship. Me and Jay News will break down all the action for that show. We'll be back on Thursday for our AEW Dynamite review, AE Ramble with me and Jimmy Macaram. And then on Saturday, the flagship show, 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time. Every Saturday, the True Hill Heat flagship podcast. Follow me on Twitter on the X here at uh, Rick Uccino, spelled like you see it on the screen. For those who are listening on the podcast channel, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. I I will be live tweeting from Columbus, Ohio. A nice little 90-minute drive for me up I-71, or more like 75 minutes away than I drive. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I'll be at SmackDown this Friday, uh, hopefully crossed talking to some people uh and those will drop next week on the youtube channel uh hopefully again nothing guaranteed at this point i can't announce a damn thing but i'll announce it on my twitter regardless i'll be there live tweeting i'll let you guys know any of the cool stuff that's going on inside nationwide arena i'm looking forward to seeing what they do this next step with Kyrie and bailey and and eo and bianca i'm hoping it's good i'm hoping it's a good show this friday so i'll be there check that out sp3 and i'll be back at our normal time 2 15 Next Tuesday, now that election is, day is behind us and I don't have to work late. <sighs> Thank God. No more political ads, baby. Thank Christ. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.